Excellent. All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 3, page 1,355. If you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at two verses this morning, verses 16 and 17. Lord, I pray as we turn our attention now to your word that you would speak in a, in a clear and mighty way to each one of us. Lord, that we would all come with that attitude. Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. Pray that it would be more than just knowing your word, but observing it, applying it to our lives. Bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was asked a very interesting question. In Matthew chapter 22, one of the religious lawyers of Israel, an expert in the law of Moses, asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the greatest? What's the top commandment? In the law. And I think that's a great question. There are a lot of commandments in the law of Moses. And as it turns out, the religious establishment of Israel in the day of Jesus spent a lot of time debating that question. They would consult with one another, they worked together to sort of rank all the different commandments that you found in the law of Moses. And so they asked Jesus, What do you think? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus did not need to do any research. He didn't have to consult any other rabbis. He answered immediately, quoting from that famous passage in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. That is the most important commandment that you and I can keep as Christians, to love God. To love God with all of our minds, with all of our hearts, and with all of our souls, our life's breath. Now, how do we do that practically? How do you love God with your mind every day practically? How do you love him with your heart? How do you love him with your soul? Well, I think Paul tells us in our text this morning, look what we read in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's start with our minds, your thought life, your intellect, what you think about, what you know intellectually. How do you love God every day with your mind? Will you love God with your mind by filling your mind with God's truth, with God's word? I love what it says there in verse 16, that that powerful phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's how you love the Lord your God with your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ. What does that speak of? The word of Christ certainly would include all the words that Jesus spoke as recorded in the Bible. Any of you have red letter Bibles? Where all the words of Jesus are in red letters, it would certainly speak of those. But remember, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, authored the whole book, right? Both Old and New Testament. Fill your mind with God's word, all of it, old and new. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. I love that, to dwell, to be at home at, to be welcomed, to take up residence. Let God's word be at home in your mind. Let it be welcome in every corner of your thought life. Let it impact how you think. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. Superlative. Hyperbole in the Greek. Extravagantly. Let the word of God completely permeate, captivate, govern every thought. So how do you love the Lord your God every day with your mind? Well, you read your Bible. You study your Bible. You memorize scripture. You listen very carefully to Bible studies at church. You make every effort to fill your mind with the word of God. By the way, I love that little word, let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That seems to suggest that God's word, it's just waiting. It's ready to fill your mind. It's like that water that's right at the kitchen sink, right? It's there. It's just ready to be poured. What do you got to do? Just turn on the faucet and out it pours. That's what God's word wants to be for you. It's just waiting All that you need to do is turn on that faucet, read God's word, commit yourself to it. And I'll tell you what, that will completely and totally change your life as a Christian. Because this book is supernatural, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration and is profitable. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, put that in your mind, right? Let it resonate in you. It will be so beneficial. As you have God's word in your mind, it gives you direction. It keeps you from sin. It encourages you. It equips you. It leads you on the right path in life. Someone said, if you are cold, let it warm you. If you're asleep, let it wake you. If you're a backslider, let it warn you. If you're defiled, let it wash you. If you're disobedient, let it whip you. If you're uncertain, let it witness to you. If you are unsaved, let it win you. And the best part about putting God's word in your mind consistently is you'll get to know God better. And the more you know God, the more you love God and the more you want to know God and the more you'll search for him in his word. Make that commitment. You know, every giant, every spiritual giant, every man or woman in church history who was used in a mighty way by the Lord had that consistent exposure to God's word. George Mueller, great man of God, said this about God's word. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. I solemnly state this from the experience of 54 years, he said. The first three years after conversion, I neglected the word of God. Since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. I look upon it as a lost day when I have not had a good time over the word of God. Now, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for two, three, four years. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. But you've never gotten into that daily, consistent exposure to God's word. George Mueller had that for his first three years. And he noticed a difference in his life. When he began to expose himself to God's word, to let it dwell in him. Oh, what God did. And I've heard that testimony from many, many Christians. I've heard many a Christian man or woman come up and say, you know, I gave my life to Christ and it was awesome. But when I started making that effort to truly read the word of God and let it fill me, it exploded The growth was amazing. The fruitfulness was amazing. I'll never forget, usually every, uh, like the first Sunday after New Year's, I come and, hey, let's make a resolution. Let's read the Bible this year. Did you make that resolution? How are you doing? But I remember there was one sister. She said, I heard you that Sunday, and I made it a commitment to read through the Bible regularly, day by day, and it's changed my life. And we could see it. The It's You're fruitful. When you're thinking and dwelling upon God's word. And every day, 
You can tell God, I love you, by reading his word. So you love God with your mind. Okay, what about loving God with our hearts? Well, the heart is the seat of emotion. Feeling. Affection. Passion. So my brother and sister in Christ, we're to love God with feeling. With an affection. There should be an emotional component to your love for God. Hopefully most of us in this room have, you know, that real good friend in our life. You know, that we just love. We hang out with, we just enjoy so much. There are some good friends in my life going all the way back to high school. And I don't get to see them very often, maybe once or twice a year. But I'll tell you, when we see each other, it's all hugs and smiles. How are you? And we love each other and we hang out together and we laugh together. And we talk about serious things together. And there's just this brotherly love. I love those guys. We should love God like that. Every day. Like like your best friend. I think of young couples that fall in love. Boy, I'll tell you what, do those they get goofy when they're in love like that, right? Those emotions and those feelings are so strong. And I'll tell you what, a couple that's in love, they'll do whatever it takes to see each other. Or to talk to one another. They write letters to one another. Oh, I love you with all my heart. We should have that same type of intense emotion for God. Now, I'm not talking about a weird romantic thing with God. But feelings that perhaps are even more intense than that. Do you love God with feelings? With your heart, with affection. When was the last time you just spent time with the Lord and enjoyed his presence? When was the last time you wept in the presence of the Lord? Overcome with his goodness, his grace, his love poured out upon you. Now Paul mentions here a very specific way to love God with your heart. In the middle of verse 16, he says, Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing to the Lord with grace. In your hearts. That's a beautiful way to express your love to God. I'll tell you what, man. You look all over scripture. In the Bible, God's people sing. Music and song is a big part of the Bible. It's a big part of the Christian faith. You know the Bible has its own hymnal, right? It's called the Book of Psalms. 
150 songs meant to be sung accompanied with instruments. The Jewish people sang that. Those songs, they sang them in the, in the temple courts during all the feast days. They would sing them as families. They would sing them in the synagogues. They would sing them as they're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. There they are in a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they're singing. God's people sing. I remember when uh, Moses leads the Israelites through the Red Sea. You remember that story and saves them from the Egyptians and the Red Sea comes back on the Egyptians. After that great act of deliverance, the next chapter is entirely devoted to what's called the Song of Moses, where Moses led a nation of two million people in song. We're told when Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room the night that he was arrested, they partook of Passover together. Right before he exited to the Garden of Gethsemane, it tells us in the gospel that he and his disciples, they sang a hymn. I wonder what kind of voice Jesus has, you know, as he sings. Here, Paul mentions three types of songs that they sang. In the early church. Teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms. That would be the book of Psalms. You know I think one of the most beautiful songs that you can sing. Is one that is completely. uh, The lyrics are scripture. Like a psalm or a phrase in the Bible. That's beautiful. I know there's a lot of. Uh, worship songs that have been written today and their melodies around different phrases and psalms in the Bible. Those are beautiful. He mentions hymns. Hymns are the more heavy doctrinal songs. In fact, you'll find examples in the New Testament of passages that Paul writes that were thought to be ancient hymns that the early church would sing together. Very heavy on doctrine. Hymns. I think the church has a great legacy of hymns. And boy, I'll tell you, some of those old hymns, the lyrics, so doctrinal. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn, uh, very popular. We sing it every Christmas time, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I know sometimes we sing those carols and we just sort of sing them, you know. But man, listen to the lyric. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's deep. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the Son of Earth. Born to give them second birth. That's deep. Beautiful. Teaching. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman doesn't come close to that, right? 
These songs, and by the way, these songs give good memory aids. You remember truth. You sing them. It mentions also spiritual songs, literally songs born of the Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is constantly giving his people new songs. Testimonial songs. Story songs. New worship songs. I believe every generation gets new songs. And we're to sing them. So I want to encourage you when we have our time of worship here, our time of singing, that's an opportunity for us to love God with our hearts, with our affections, with our emotions. And I would ask you to really participate in that corporately. Now you say, Terry, have you heard my voice? You know, the Bible says make a joyful noise. Sing out. Or maybe you don't want to sing out. Okay, whisper your singing. Sing from your heart. Sing inside. You know what worship is? Prayer set to music. Pray. Join with your brothers and sisters in Christ in showing affection, affectionate love to our Heavenly Father. By the way, we are so blessed in our age because we have so much Christian music, so much good worship music uh, that you 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 can be listening to good, solid Christian worship music all the time in your car, while you're working, around the house. There's so many ways to keep a love song on your lips. day by day, serenading the one you love. Love God with your heart. So love God with your mind, love God with your heart, and then it says, love God with your soul. This is the Greek word suke. It speaks of uh, a blowing wind. Or it speaks of breath. Your life's breath. That's the idea. Love God with your life's breath or with every breath. In other words, every day we love God in everything that we do. We do everything in life for his glory, for him. And look what Paul says in verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at that. Whatever you do. Now, I looked up that word, whatever, in the Greek. Found out it means whatever. In fact, it goes a little deeper. It means each and every. Each and every thing that you do. In speech or in word, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my brother, my sister in Christ, whatever you do in word, your speech, the way you communicate, 
Maybe you do a lot of speaking in your job. Do it for the Lord. The way you speak at church to other Christians, the way you speak to your spouse, your children, your parents, the way you speak to your manager, your clients, your coworkers, your neighbors. Speak all those things unto the Lord for his glory. Whatever you do indeed, all the action in your life. So everything that you would do at church, all your serving, you do it for the Lord. But not just at church, your career, your place of employment, your chores, your recreation, your community involvement, everything that you do in your life, you should be thinking, I'm doing this for God. And I love him. And I'll tell you what, that will completely change your perspective on things. See, as Christians, our ultimate boss is whom? Jesus. And if we do everything in life for him, and we're conscious of that, Because we love him. We're going to do it with excellence. With integrity. Three stone masons were working at an ancient construction project. And they were asked what they were doing. And one guy said, I'm laying bricks. Another guy said, I'm building a wall. Third guy said, I'm raising a great cathedral for the Lord. Everything that you do, do like that. It's all serving him. One housewife has a plaque hanging on the wall right above her kitchen sink that says, Divine service rendered here three times daily. You know you can wash dishes for Jesus. You know that if you have him on your mind, that you're doing everything for him, And I'll tell you what, if you do everything for him, Jesus is going to shine in and through your life. You're going to be different. People will notice. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it means to do it as his representative. You represent Christ. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're a child in the family of God. And everywhere you go, you represent him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul calls us as Christians ambassadors. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador of the United States represents the United States the policies of the United States, and the president of the United States. Christian, you represent the country called heaven and the policies of heaven and the president of heaven who is Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go in life. Do everything for him, for his glory. Be conscious of it. 
love God with your mind, with your heart, and with every life's breath. You know, getting back to that question that he was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus actually gave an answer which was a twofer. Two for one. He gave them the top two commandments. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, the second greatest is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. I love how simple Jesus makes things. You want to do what's right, Jesus would say, wake up every morning and determine to love God and love others. You do that, you'll fulfill all the commandments of the law. By the way, we also love God by loving others. Do you know that? Loving one another. Keep it simple. Now, again, those religious leaders in the days of Jesus, they'd complicated everything. They turned religion into this list. I mean, they were really serious about debating all of these commandments. I, I always see these guys in a boardroom with a, a you know, a whiteboard in their, they, they got this flow chart and all these lists. They actually came up with what they called 248 positive commandments and then 365 negative commandments. They categorized some commandments as heavy and some were light. They literally went through this process of trying to figure out what are all... And Jesus comes along and says, love God and love others. And he quoted from the Shema. Now, you should know this about the Shema. It was the most important passage in the religious establishment's experience. Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with your mind, with your heart. They were supposed to confess that, say that out loud every day, every morning and evening. That's what those guys spoke. They also put the Shema on a little scroll, rolled it up and put it in a leather box called a phylactery, which they wrapped around their skulls. They also put the Shema on a little scroll and they put it inside these little box containers, which they then nailed to the door frames of their door. Those are called mezuzahs. Every, every day. So I think it's hilarious. They're all, what's, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, what you wearing? <laughs> what did you just confess this morning? Do we make it complicated? Do we live our lives turning Christianity into this real complicated doctrinal thing. Oh, which is the most important doctrine? Which is the, I mean, you know, hey, listen. Love God 
your mind and with your heart, with everything you do, and then love others. And you know what? Keep that right there as you go about living your life. By the way, we serve an awesome God, don't we? We serve a God who loves us. In fact, the scripture says that we love him because he first what? Loved us. And his love for us is so great. So great. Demonstrated through the sacrifice of his son on the cross. We should be all the more motivated. Lord, I pray that we would remember your love every day. I pray that we would wake up with that mentality of wanting to just simply love you every day and love people. I do pray that your word would become really, really special to us every single day. That we'd learn exciting things about you every day. Pray, Lord, that our thoughts would drift to you often. Every day. That we'd love you with our hearts. And Lord, whatever we're doing, whatever you've called us to do, whatever career, whatever activity, I pray that we do that for you and shine for you and do things in your name. You know, with every head bowed, eyes closed, The Bible is so clear. God loves us so much. God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're called to love the Lord. Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Is God your God? Do you know him? Have you entered into a relationship with him? Have you had your sins forgiven and washed away because Jesus gave his life to make that possible for you? He took your sins and he died in your place and he rose again the third day. Have you received him? Let him save you. Let him love you. Let him make you one of his. Put your faith and trust in him. And then you're going to learn how to love like you've never loved before. If you never received Christ, if you never responded, I want you to have that opportunity. And you do that by just crying out in faith to God, admitting that you need all of your sins forgiven and that Jesus paid the price for you and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to lead you in a little prayer. 
just in the quietness of your heart. Just say, Lord, save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for paying the price for me. Rising again that third day. I want to be in your family. I want to be in your kingdom. Thank you for loving me. Fill me with your spirit and help me to love others like you've loved me. Amen. Amen.